The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Whether you're listening live on the internet or you're checking out the podcast, I'm so glad you're here. You know, I'm feeling very good today. Things are starting to look up here in California. We're moving into the orange tier today. And that means that movie theaters are starting to open up, museums, more indoor dining at restaurants. I mean, we're still going to have to wear masks and all of that in a lot of places. But California has finally hit its goal of distributing 4 million COVID vaccines. So that's exciting. (laughs) So that's good news. Collectively, we're going to start the healing process from what we've been going through this past year. And so it's it's all good, you know, and it kind of segues into what I'm going to be talking about with my guest today because I've been spending some time with her new book and it's all about healing your life, embracing our wholeness and finding out what can be right when everything seems all wrong, which is what I think a lot of us have been dealing with over the past year with everything seeming to be going wrong. Linda Martella Witsit joins me today with her daughter Alicia, and we're going to be talking about her new book, This Life is Yours. And I first met Linda three years ago at the Parliament of World Religions in Toronto, which was just an amazing experience for me. I loved it. And we had such a great talk about unity and silent unity, which is the 24-7 worldwide prayer ministry that people can call into. And Linda is the vice president of Unity Prayer Ministries, as well as a respected unity minister and teacher. And I just so enjoyed my conversation with her because I was kind of new to the unity fold in that I had been familiar with what unity was about, but I didn't really know a lot about it. And I didn't really know about the deep, rich history and the beautiful thing that silent unity is. And it was just such a great conversation. And I I really appreciated that. So uh, one of the things that her book really gives you is some insight into some of the beliefs of unity, um, as well as the unity organization, and also other ways from, from other religious traditions to help us all heal and grow spiritually. So I just want to welcome her and her daughter, Alicia, to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about this. Well, I'm very delighted to be a guest on your show, Diane. I was uh, one of the early adopters of the Unity Online Radio. Several When, when it first came out, uh, I had a, a co-host for Spiritual Parenting in Unity. And at that time, I had young enough kids that that was still a real, you know, a real... Uh, you know, important part of my life. Now, my daughter is an adult, and she co-authored this book with me. So this is the first for her, although it's the third book for me. So we're just, I'm just so delighted that we can all be here in this, in this field together. It's beautiful. And Alicia, thank you for joining us today, too. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to discuss (laughs) this further with you guys. Well, I'm loving the book. I've been spending a lot of time with it. And this is something that I think I'm going to be going back to 
you know, over and over, like this is going to stay in a, a permanent place on my shelf because I think there's so much valuable information in this book. And I really love that both of you worked on this together. This was a collective a collective thing, a collective project. And what a beautiful thing to work on, you know, with your mom and, and also, yeah. you know, you with your daughter. I mean, how did that come together with both of you working on this? <laughs> well, go ahead, Linda, you jump in. <laughs> I'll begin. And then Alicia has something to say about this too, for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I had been contacted by my publisher, you know, pressing me for a third book for quite some time. And it took a while for the subject of healing to really rise up. Of course, by then I had begun in the, the Unity Prayer Ministry after having served in a Unity Church for, for 14 years. So that topic of healing, which is, of course, the number one request for prayer that we receive in silent unity, is around healing of all kinds of things in our life. So uh, it rose to the surface for me as something I wanted to really dive deeper into for myself, because everything I write is always for me. You know what I mean? It's always first for me. So uh, I was sitting one day and starting to get excited about it, starting to form a verbal outline in my mind, just some themes emerging. And I was just sharing them with Alicia. And I watched her as her level of interest seemed to rise. I mean, she's on the edge of her seat. And, uh, and Alicia, you take it from here. <laughs> yeah, I I just was really I, I think in tune with what your message could be, and I I had a lot of of little things to add to it, I guess, and I you know, and she just turned to me and said, "Do you want to write this book with me?" And that thought had never even come to mind. I was just really looking forward to what she was going to be putting out. Um, but the more I thought about it, I said, absolutely, you know, what an opportunity for me to, to get to share this time with her, not only this process, but, um, have, have part of my message out there as well. I think it's so great to have that opportunity to do something like that. I mean, I wish I could have had a chance to create such a beautiful project, um, with my own mom. I mean, that's something that I'm sure both of you will always remember and, and you share a lot of your personal story and challenges in the book, Alicia, um, as well as you, Linda. So was it kind of a cathartic experience to be able to reveal those things? <laughs> uh, I was pitching Maybe this difficult. Alicia, but yes, for me, I'd say there were, there were some real um, discomforts you know, I mean, we can't possibly work on a subject called healing without having some healing come up. <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of how it was for me. And some of it was around some of Alicia's revelations about experiences that she's had in her life that I was not uh, I was not aware of, you know, that I didn't know any of the story. And yet I it, it, yet I I knew there were points of pain and such. So. It was very tough. It's tough being a witness to, you know, her own, um, you know, greater realization of what those were about for her and her own courage in being able to share so openly about her own healing process through them. 
Yeah. Right. And and I think right. it, you know, things were resurfacing uh, for me as well to process through and and having it be my mom that I normally go to for those things. But here we are writing this book. I think that in itself was um, it was just it, it was eye opening for me to see her not in the role of mother, but as you know, my partner, my my co-creator in this, and how do we use these experiences and what we're what we're currently feeling from the past and put that into the book so that it is helpful for others and so that our message is authentic and and shows that this is an ever evolving process. Healing is not a one and done thing. This is this is ongoing. We're still having conversations. We just had a conversation this weekend. So it's still, still being processed and still, still being actively healed. Right. I mean, well, it is pretty brave to be able to, you know, put some personal things out there that maybe only your family and friends knew that you were going through. And then now it's like out there to the world, you're like, eek, you know, yes. <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> uh, but I think there's also something really um, relatable in sharing some of those kinds of things for other people that are experiencing the same thing or something similar. You know, it's always comforting to know that you're not alone. So I think it's great that you're both able to be so honest and authentic in sharing those things in the book. Now, I wanted to ask you, you know, healing is such a a loaded word. And, you know, I've worked for a long time with Louise Hay for her company. And, you know, you can heal your life. But I mean, that's something that we mm-hmm. we saw every day when we walked, you know, walked in the office. And especially if she came in the office, if you said things in a certain way, like there's there's one great story in a meeting where someone said, well, we can kill two birds with one stone if we do this. And she was like, well, why do you want to do that? That's horrible. Don't say that. Or if you said like, oh, I'm dying to see that movie. She's like, no, you're not dying. Don't, you know, so you will become aware of the way you think and the way you say things. And I mean, what do you think is the most misunderstood thing, you know, about healing, like about that word? Because it is kind of a loaded, a loaded word. Well, there's so many things that are misunderstood about it. I mean, one of the things that Alicia already spoke to is that it's not a one and done, that we think, oh, we're going to get to this end point and uh, we're never going to have that trouble or anything like it again. I mean, it's just it's it's really setting ourselves up for disillusionment and discouragement for sure. Um, But for me, another another piece of this is that healing is not something that happens to us. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a tough one for most people who come from a very, um, a much more traditional, you could just say a much more Judeo-Christian sort of culture, right? Um, where, you know, God does, God confers healing uh, and, and the relationship is sort of like we have to ask for it, pray for it, and then maybe God will heal us. Whereas our definition of healing is healing is, is our awakening to the reality that wholeness is the natural state for us. Healing is right. my awakening to that divine idea of wholeness. And that's such a great distinction to make because I think a lot of us are caught in that 
belief of, you know, I have to, I have to ask to something outside of myself to grant me the benevolence of, of healing me, you know, and you're, what you're both doing with a lot of what you're talking about in the book is, you know, putting the, the power and the choice back in our hands. And I think that's so important because it kind of takes away that, that fear and the pleading of, oh, please, please, you know, <laughs> grant me this request. Like you're asking yeah. the magic mirror and, and it's not, and it's not like that at all. But I think that's so, that's so true to understand that, you know, healing is definitely not like a one and done and a, a magical thing that can happen, but it's a process, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you said something important just about us wanting to have the answers, you know, that's our human quality is wanting to know why these things are happening or did I cause this? Was this God? All those things. Um, so really the, what was such an important part for me was being able to empower our readers to, to put that back on, no, this is me and wholeness is my original state. I can never be separate from that. No matter what's going on with me, wholeness is my original state, but I'm not returning to that. Um, I think that was something that you know, going back on that journey, people get confused and they think, well, I just want to go back to how it was before. You know, we talk about that with COVID, the new normal, because we're not going back. We, we've created this new, this new existence. And so how are we going forward in that? We're not returning anywhere. Right. But I mean, by, by embracing our wholeness, I mean, would you say that we, we come, we come whole as we come into this this world, this incarnation, our, our time here on earth. And then when that time is over, we go back to being whole or we go back to that wholeness. Do you, do you think that's true or, or is it a little different? Well, I would say wholeness is, it is the natural and original state that always is. You know, it coexists. So, so the challenge is, is that we are a divine human. <laughs> mm -hmm. right divinity is our eternal and always state and if it's eternal it means the eternal now it doesn't mean before and after right eternal is the eternal now and always it's true that wholeness is our true nature and the state of being that is the truth of us so what what our human experience is is a sense of it's not a reality of, but it certainly is an experience as if something could go missing, wrong or broken. Yes. Right. That's something that would then require a return to wholeness. But what we're saying is that as we begin to relate to and have an awakening to and then to practice a way of living that gets us connected into that state of wholeness now, it's like. It's like heaven, right? It's like heaven. It's not a place you go to after you die. It's an it's a state, it's an idyllic state right now. It's the state of well-being and total peace right now. And so that's what we're saying that wholeness is. And it is it is right now no matter the circumstances. And so our our challenge is to be able to see that truth about ourselves even in the midst of some of the experiences that we would say are unwanted. 
Right. Like a lot of, you know, obviously what we've we've been dealing with in the past year or, you know, other health issues. Um, I mean, and I've been able as I'm reading this, like really uh, been able to try to uh, apply it or, you know, ask myself some of these things of, of what I'm I'm going through and, you know, deal with things I'm dealing with personally. And you talk about in the book, you know, asking yourself the right questions Um like, you know, for example, I just I found out I had a I have a relative, um, actually, my brother who got a real distressing, you know, diagnosis, health diagnosis. And, you know, when you're thinking about how you can help or, or be in service for someone and asking those questions, I mean, do you mean shifting from asking like why? Like I could say, well, why did this happen to him, you know, at, at 50? to have, uh, you know, some terrible diagnosis. So you don't really, you don't really ask that kind of question, like, why is this happening to me? You would ask different questions. Is that right? Yes, you all, to ask why, is it's really a matter of how would we answer that question. And the culture tells us that there's so many disturbing, in my opinion, answers to that question, right? Right. When we get into that question, we start talking about, you know, a God that sends us these hardships, right, for, for all kinds of reasons. And, uh, or we, you know, so we, we look at it that way, or, you know, we, we, we never can answer that question in a way that is satisfactory. That's, that's really the point. Um, but when we look a little bit when we look more deeply to what's the reality, the mystical reality or the truth of wholeness, you know, when we look at why does, why does anything happen? You know, then we start really getting out of the sort of the personal, making this thing that just happened very personal to me and looking at it in the context of a universal kind of expression of, of all that can happen. You see what I'm saying? That um, sure. th- there's the the train of thought that says, well, why not me? <laughs> why would yeah. why would I not have a human experience, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, because these these things will happen, at, it, you know, being human. And and Alicia, I'd be curious of what what you think about this because you you share pretty honestly some health issues that you know you've been dealing with, really challenging. And I mean, I'm, it's easy to to fall into that. Well, you know, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? You know, what horrible thing have I done? Um, and, and how how were you able to kind of stop that kind of loop of blame? Yeah. So, I mean, I think again, it's a process, just like anything. Anytime you receive information that you don't exactly want <laughs> you go through through a, a period of of questioning that and and um there was absolutely a a time of feeling sorry for myself or wanting to know exactly did i cause this did my you know did my stinking thinking <laughs> cause this for me um so i did do a lot of questioning but it did i can't pinpoint exactly when cuz this has been what almost six years now uh, since I was diagnosed with lupus, and I think it's there was a there was a time where my questions just sort of shifted to what do I want? What am I longing for um, to to live a whole life? And it became easier to see that I had so much already 
that was separate from my condition. And so it made it just easier to kind of pull myself out of those darker moments, you know, um, because there were other things that I wanted. There were other things that I wanted to occupy my time, not just this sitting in bed thinking about the pain that was in my body. What do you, what else can I do to, to shift out of this state that I'm in? Right. And, and some of the things that you share, you know, in the book that are helpful are these beautiful affirmations that you include in the chapters. And, you know, one thing that Louise Hay got kind of beaten up or misunderstood, I think, over the years, as far as with affirmations is that, you know, there would be a lot of people that would say, well, you can't just, you know, pray it away or, you know, say these certain affirmations and things are going to go go away and you're going to heal yourself and, and all of that. And and she did take some flack uh, for that over the years. But but on the other hand, I think, you know, putting some of these affirmations into our lives and shifting our thinking to something like that, rather than like what you were saying, Alicia, you know, the stinking thinking, like letting ourselves fall into that spiral of of depression and blame and anxiety can be really helpful. I mean, how do, how do you work with those working with the affirmations and, you know, why you put them in the book? Well, I, I have a lot to say about affirmations. <laughs> I wrote the affirmations and, uh, you know, I think affirmations are so very misunderstood and I could see why, um, you know, why Louise would have gotten flack for them because the common understanding of affirmations is almost like good luck charms. I mean, they're, they're used as if to sort of whisk ourselves out of the present experience and into this, uh, you know, idyllic reality into this sort of Pollyannish state of mind. Uh, and, and when we write affirmations in this book, they are not, to suggest uh, a different experience than what I'm having right now. In other words, they're not just to kind of make myself feel better and they're not to promise some kind of an outcome, but affirmations are expressing what is true about me right now. You know, no matter what I'm dealing with right now, what can I claim as my position of power, right? That's, that's the point. And so by reading this, the sets of affirmations that follow most of these sections in our book, what, what happens is we have a chance to kind of identify for ourselves what our strengths are. That, that's all. That's all. It's to be able to say, even right now, like even though I'm laying in bed and snot is running out my nose and I'm shivering with fever, even now... The cells in my body are alive and they're thrumming with healing energy. I mean, that's just the fact. That's just the truth. You see, it's very different from saying, I am whole and well, when my body wouldn't believe that right now. <laughs> right, right. And I think I think they are misunderstood and there were... Um, you know, people that were saying that, well, oh, you're just not going to heal with those kind of, you know, saying affirmations and that this is woo-woo thinking and that kind of thing. But you really um, get into this more, you know, in the book, like understanding that we do have power, you know, the power of our mind. And you, 
and you really make some interesting distinctions with that. Like there's, you know, the physical brain, then there's our mind and there's our thoughts that we don't think have any kind of power, but they really do go out there and they really have a lot more power than, than people believe. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that uh, before we go to break. Ooh. Yeah. We have, we have a few minutes. Okay. That's a good <laughs> a one. Minute, yeah. A minute or I, two. You know, as far as the power of the mind, um, our power to pivot and and change how we talk to ourselves um, and, and paying attention to how we how we respond and how reactive we are to what other people say to us and what we hold on to, uh, you start to notice that the chemistry, your actual physical chemistry changes with how you speak and how how intentional you are with the words that you say to yourself and to others. It, it brings you up vibrationally. Right, and which, right. could you add a little bit on onto that, Linda? Well, yes, does, there the, are uh, changes that happen. Yeah, well, it's 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 remarkable actually, and we we don't often give we don't often give notice to it if we're moving fast or that kind of thing. But the difference in the way we we uh, think and what we tell ourselves is remarkable. It's all based on the law of attraction, right? What I think about, I bring about, or what I dwell upon, I get more of. In my experience, you know, this pivotal nature of our mind means that we can look to our external circumstances and to the emotions that they engender. We can look to them for as our resource or, or for our point of where the power is. And of course, that, that puts us into victim consciousness when we're looking at that and saying, oh, everything's going wrong. But we have the power to pivot our awareness to this more true outlook about ourselves and to say, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter how uh, poorly I might feel in this moment, I am not helpless in the least. And I start talking to myself about the power that I do have to be able to, to, uh, you know, to think differently, to be able to hold a hopeful thought, to be able to take a step even in a, in perhaps even in a physical way that has me start to believe in in my health and wholeness rather than in sickness, as an example, you know, that uh, right. that that is where the power is, and that affirmations are just a useful tool in helping us to kind of have that talk to ourselves, <laughs> you know, to remind ourselves. But but literally, the brain and the body chemistry changes. I mean, scientists have told us that much more, right? Much more than we can. Well, I want to explore that, um, you know, a little bit more. We're going to just take a short break. And we'll be right back. I'm talking with Linda Martella Witsit and her daughter, daughter Alicia, about their amazing new book, This Life Is Yours. And we'll be right back in just a minute. Stay close. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. 
Welcome back after the break. Thanks for joining me. I'm Diane Ray doing it live here in the spacious Diane Ray studios in San Diego. (laughs) And I'm so happy that you can join me uh, today for this or if you're catching the podcast later. Welcome back. Uh, Just having a great conversation with Linda Martella Witsit and Alicia Witsit about their new book, This Life is Yours. And I'm loving the message in this book. We talked talked a little bit about um, in the previous segment, just some things that were very, um, I don't know if the words like similar or synchronistic to, you know, some of the teachings that I learned from Louise Hay and, you know, the way that our thinking and the power that we do have of our own mind to heal. And Linda takes a deep dive into some of those concepts and questions in this book. And and I just really love it, you know, helping people to understand the power that we do have over our choices and and not necessarily to like sugarcoat anything or think that, you know, we're totally in control because, you know, obviously we're not, I mean, things happen, you know, in life, but it's really how you you choose to process it right how you choose to react or decide on a situation you know that you're that you're experiencing whether it's health or you know day-to-day living or relationships or or anything else like that even you know the horrible year that we've all had how we it's been interesting though i'm sure you guys have experienced this in talking to friends and family people have been experiencing this in in so many different ways and i've seen people that have just totally hated it this is horrible the worst thing i lost my job you know all this doom and gloom you know i have another friend who's like I hate to admit this, but I've been so happy, you know, to stay at home and, you know, work on things and I've gotten closer with my husband or, you know, so it's just interesting how we've been in the same situation, but how different people have chosen to process it. And and you kind of get into that a little bit in the book. Have you experienced that too? I have, I've experienced both sides of that, right, right within my own self. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Both sides of that. Because on the one hand, yes, I have really, um, I've enjoyed working from home. I was just talking with colleagues today in a meeting just just before this one. And we were, I I mean, I was just astounded that what was coming out of, of one of my colleagues' mouth was exactly my feeling. She said she had to get dressed yesterday. And by that, you know, we mean put on clothes to go out in public, right? Right. I had to get dressed. (laughs) I had to think about, you know, my underwear. I had to think about, I had to think about. Not yoga pants. My appearance and, uh, you know, my makeup or my hair. I had to think about those things. And I was getting anxious at the thought of it, having to get like all these pieces conscious. I've had to be conscious to put them all together because I haven't had to think about it for a whole year. And then the thought of being actually being seen in public, you know, you know, with clothes that don't fit so well and all the, all the things, so much anxiety around re-entry into the world around us. And I can really relate to that myself at the same time. You know, I love, I love when I've run into another person at unity village because we've been closed for a year and when I just got back to my offices uh, part time and I and I pass by somebody and it's just so joyful to say hello to another human being, you know, uh, uh, six feet apart, but still right there in front of me. So, right. Have uh, you and, felt that, you know, too, Alicia? 
Oh, absolutely. I I left my job uh, right about this time last year when um, it, it was not going to be possible for me to work from home. And I think what what has come from this is we are learning that so many people can actually do their jobs and be productive from home, sometimes more productive uh, because you're you feel more well rested. You're having that connection with your family if you need to. But for me, uh, living alone and being quite the introvert and empath that I am, it, it's been so delightful. <laughs> it's just been right. <laughs> the best time ever. But I also, I also had some real realizations for how I was living. Um, you know how I was spending money, and uh, I got rid of a lot of things uh, during this past year and got more organized. So there, there's definitely been. Um, some bright spots from it, but not not having the connection um, with as much of the outside world, because for me, going to the grocery stores was just terrifying uh, initially with my compromised immune system. You know, I, I had a lot of fear. So that's gotten better. And I kind of joked that once we once we all re-enter, it's going to be like the the Munchkins and the Wizard of Oz, where they're like, "Come out, come out, wherever you are." <laughs> like right. people are exactly. just gonna be stepping into the sunshine again. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm looking forward to that little, little bit by little bit. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that you know we're moving into orange, yay, orange tier here in California. Yeah. We can go to movies, yeah. and you know that'll be a little bit better. And you know the other interesting thing was some people. I've read that are, you know, real introverts, they've been loving wearing a mask. Like you can actually go out and, you know, (laughs) cover your face and not have to wear makeup and, you know, deal with people. Be a little bit incognito. (laughs) Right. I I thought that was interesting. Wow. There's people that actually, you know, don't mind that. So I wanted to ask both of you, um, there was a an interesting take in the book on, you know, what we've come to call the law of attraction. And, you know, it's got, gotten a lot of play over the past few years. And and you call it the law of mind action. I thought, oh, that is that's such a great, you know, distinction to kind of separate it from where the the regular or people have thought to, to think of that term. You know, like we thought, okay, if we, you know, put these positive thoughts out there to get more money or a car, a better job, or those kind of things that like attracts like, or that kind of thing. But you have give it a little bit of a different spin. And mm-hmm. I, I was hoping you could kind of make that distinction for us. Well, I, I feel like the secret um, kind of gave this promise of, of accumulating things. You know, if we turn our mind to it, it goes all the way back to the think and grow rich uh, decades, yes. you know, uh, that, and, and So what they really are teaching is a mindset of possibility thinking and of open mindedness and of 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 really exercising our capacity for um, for imagining the possibilities and then moving in those directions. But what it's turned into is sort of this promise that if I say these certain incantations and that's where those affirmations come in. Or I, you know, I, I think these, these thoughts in this right sequence or whatever, that I'll have that which I say that I want. And of course, there's teachers that are dispro- that are showing that it's much more complex than that. And it's much more unconscious, really, than that for most of us. Because it's not what we say that we, it's not that we, what we say, 
or what we even say we're thinking. It's really what the vibration is of what what we're wanting. You know what I mean? Are we are we excited about and sort of seeing it taking shape or are we afraid we're ne we never could have it? And depending on where that vibration is, we're either helping ourselves or not. So for us, the, the law of attraction, why I call it law of mind action is because that's a unity term. That's the unity principle. The third uh, or the fourth principle in unity is it's, it's the way we think or the third principle, I think it is. It's that uh, our thinking creates our reality, right? So what I'm thinking about is what I tend to experience in the world. But it doesn't mean, um, it doesn't mean every little idle thought bears fruit in my experience. What it really means is that the predominance of my vibration, how, how optimistic am I? How, um, you know, how um, empowered do I feel? How much am I on the side of, of what could go right? How much am I, you know, leaning in that direction, you know, compared to feeling, um, you know, discouraged and, and staying in that energy of depression and, and discouragement and all those other things. And so, and, and again, this goes back to biological response. It goes back to the, the chemical um, population of chemicals in our own body system that support us or that either help or don't help us um, to maintain um, that hopeful outlook. So, but in, in, in the highest form, the law of attraction is what Charles, Charles Fillmore referred to as divine love. Fillmore called love the, the great magnet of the universe. And what this means is that love, that, that, that energy of desire, that power of harmony and the power of unifying uh, capacity, that power is a magnetizing power. And so everything, we, we talked about the question why, answering the question why. The answer to every question why, why is this happening, it's for love. Mm. It's for divine love. It's for all things it's for love to be the response in all things. Yes. Yes. That's so great. And Alicia, what, what was it like to have your mom, you know, being able to explain all these great things growing up? <laughs> must have been a, it must have been well, amazing. Obviously, um, it, it left me feeling a little isolated because I, I couldn't have those conversations with my friends. <laughs> but yes, right. I, I mean, I I felt like growing up in unity has just, it, it's not only enhanced how I view myself again through these circumstances, but my mom's interpretation, my mom's own growth in unity and uh, changing, changing the way that she viewed God was was huge for me and that and that happened actually later that happened in my early adulthood years but um these practices these these tools these spiritual capacities through working with them that is where healing happens uh it's the healing of your mind it's not the healing of the physical condition but the healing of of my mind was what was what i needed it, it was better than, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, say not nice things about doctors because that's not it, but it was better than medicine for me. 
to be able to say, hey, these things are happening to me, but that's not the whole of my existence. And that focusing on positive things doesn't mean that you're denying that these things are happening to you, but you're you're open to experiencing more. And I wanted more. I wanted more than what my physical condition, what my mental illness was. I wanted more than that for me. I saw the possibility in that. And that can only come from the teachings that were instilled in me when I was five years old in Unity. Right. You were so lucky. If Big Pharma could come up with a pill for that, (laughs) (laughs) they'd be rubbing their hands in glee. Oh, this is the best. This is all we'll (laughs) ever need forever. This one magic pill. So I wanted to uh, ask you too, where the power, you know, since we're talking about, you know, the power of our mind, the power of our thoughts, when those thoughts become beliefs, you know, that's when it really takes root, right? When you've got a belief in something and that's it, it's unshakable. And it and it can be, you know, good or bad. There's the right is there's like a light and a dark side. I mean, we've seen where people have embraced, you know, very destructive beliefs and what can happen you know, when large groups of people, then more and more people have the same belief. I mean, what do you think happens when, when that takes place, when that thought, like you said, you know, we have, you know, all these kinds of thoughts, they don't all take root, but then when it root becomes rooted in a belief, uh, how, how can we work with that? Because sometimes we have to change those beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I, when you were speaking, I'm reminding myself that, a belief is a solidified thought, but it's really, if you break it down, it's a thought that I've thought again and again. Mm-hmm. I've thought this thought, then I think this thought again, and I think it again, and it gets reinforced, you know, it gets reinforced when I look for evidence of it, and I say, oh, let's see, it really is, it really is the way life is, and so I think it again, and I think it again, and before you know it, it feels like it's hard and fast, and uh, it's the only truth. And so to me, it really helps if I, re- when I realize that my, it's my thinking that's getting me, <laughs> that, that, that's having me be in an unhappy place, right? It's my thinking that's causing me to feel, you know, worry or, uh, or any number of, any number of unhelpful feelings. So to remind myself, it's just a thought. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a truth. It's just a thought. And I've just thought it a whole lot, a whole many, many, many times. So you know, it's sort of like going in the opposite direction. It's thinking a different thought and then planting that thought, which is why I think Louise Hay believed in affirmations. You're telling yourself a new story. And Charles Fillmore did too. He said, when you introduce a new thought, um, you, you know, you've got a crowded brain that's full of the thought, uh, you know, that you've been thinking or this belief system that has become uh, a solidified set of thoughts and and it seems like there's no room so this is why unity teaches and we didn't really write too much about this particular um skill set or tool spiritual tool in this book but i write about it in my first book how to pray without talking to god about using denial and affirmation together and in unity denial doesn't mean deny that this is happening like psychologically but it means emptying our brain of that thought it's rejecting that thought as a false thought 
as a false idea. This is just a belief that I acquired in my childhood. It's not necessarily the truth. Let me remember that. Let me go back and, you know, and, and release that thought. For example, here's a simple example. It's relevant to where I am in life. <laughs> the thought about aging. Okay, there's going to be a time I'm going to be too old to go back to school or I'm going to, you know, too, too old to, you know, to, to learn ballroom dancing, for example, or to do any number of things that the culture has said, this is what you can expect as you age, right? You get to a point where you're too old. And so it's easy to believe that because I saw it in my grandmother and then I saw it in my mother, right? I saw it. I saw it in the people in my life. And so I get to that age when my mother turned 60, she was ready to die because her mother died. Well, her mother was older when she died, but my mother was, had, had a health concern and she all of a sudden was like, well, I've lived a good life. And I'm like, snap out of it, mom, you're 60, right? <laughs> well, now I'm right. well past 60, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and I could be saying that about myself, but to, to question that. So, so often these beliefs are, are just unquestioned. That's the problem. And so in a, in a healthful way, in order to heal my life, I start asking those questions. Is it really true? Or is it just something I've been told and I have come to believe? And if it's not true or if it's not helpful to believe that it's a truth, how about if I just say, I'm not going to believe that. That cannot be the whole truth. And then I start looking for evidence of something else, right? So I see people who are in, I see an 80-some-year-old Supreme Court justice, for example, or any number of examples of people well older than me that are thriving in this world and doing creative things. And I start to, re I start to teach myself uh, a new truth. Right. That's a great example. And I love you said ballroom dancing because Louise started taking ballroom dancing lessons in her eighties <laughs> and hey, she would do, she would do things do that. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Take a class, start doing the tango, you know, something like that. Um, and I guess you're, you have to kind of root them out like weeds, right? Like examine the beliefs that we have. I mean, you know, have you, have you done that as well, Alicia, just kind of looking at things in a different way and reframing those yeah. beliefs? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, going back to, to it kind of being um, conditioned, so to speak for you, that you're you're having these experiences that so many people before you have had, you know, when, when mom's talking about age or whatever, um, it, realizing that so many of us who are dealing with whatever our conditions or circumstances are, feel like we can't trust ourselves, feel like we want to look to outside sources to confirm, you know, what, what we should be believing about ourselves. And so, for me, one of the biggest switches was I, I'm naturally intuitive. And when I do listen to myself, it's usually what I need to hear. <laughs> so yes. I had to be willing to trust that, to trust that gut instinct, to trust that intuition about, about my path not being a quote unquote traditional one and it and how was it ever going to be look at my mother like it, it just wasn't going to be a traditional path <laughs> and thank goodness when I, was, when I could accept that 
and I could see the possibilities that came from it, how rich is my life? You know, so I, I want people to to really feel empowered to listen to themselves, especially if they've they're experiencing something that has told them that they can't trust themselves. Right. I love what you're saying about listening to that voice and your intuition. And it is right. Every time I've ignored it, it and said, oh, I'll just do this anyway, even <laughs> though it, everything's telling me no, you know, it's always been a mistake or a disaster of, of some kind. So, yeah, I think that we, we all need to pay attention, you know, to that voice and what it's saying to us. And one thing I wanted to ask you too, while I still had some time, it's just so many great points in this book. I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, spending time and, and thinking about some of these concepts. So here's something that comes up a lot in, uh, you know, a lot of reading I've done and talking to gurus and everything. And, you know, people always say, well, we're all one and we have to, you know, believe that we're all one with that other person and love them and all of this. And, you know, one of, of the tenets in in unity is that, you know, the spirit of God lives within each of us. Therefore, all people are good. What? How can I believe that? You know, when, when you look around and clearly to me, there are people that are not good. So I guess that that's one point that I always seem to kind of wrestle with is, you know, if God lives within each one of us, which I can believe that, I just have a hard time believing we're all inherently good. How, how do you grapple with that one? So there's a there's a difference between the absolute and the relative, right? The absolute reality is that we all we all are inherently good. But relatively, in this human experience of ours, we we get to we get to lean into that or not. We we get to be informed by that as our truth or not. I mean, it's true for everything. It's not just evil and good. It's also about health and, right, health and illness. And, and I, I don't mean, you know what I mean? It's about what, what you tell yourself you are. So, you know, this one scene from the movie Dead Man Walking keeps coming back to me. And I wrote about it, I think, in How to Pray Without Talking to God. I wrote about it. Uh, Sister Pergian is talking with, uh, the inmate who's about to um, about to be executed, and um, she starts to say to him, um, "You know, you're you're a lovable person, Matthew. Um, you, you you know." And then she says, "She says God loves you." I wouldn't probably say it that way myself, but that's how she said it in her theology. And um, and he looks at her with incredulity, and and he has tears running down his his eyes, and he says. No one ever told me. No one ever told me. So to me, that's the key is that we're either we're either exposed to a reality that's greater than just human wrangling about in a body or we're not. And we're, we either take that up as our own study. You know, we either decide that 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 we want to know more about that and we want to you know, we, we want to um, experience ourselves as as greater than just a mere bag of bones walking around on planet Earth, you know, and it's when we are 
up for that discovery that we can begin to see the ineffable aspects of ourself, the, the mystical reality of our nature, right? This is, this is at the heart of the unity teaching. There's only one power and presence, and that is God, and that is inherent goodness, and that that's what we are, and that that's, that's a premise built on an absolute reality. Uh, and we humans get to de determine whether we're going to see ourselves as only human or we're going to pivot our awareness to that part of us that is greater. We've all experienced it. That part of us that's most noble, that's most generous, that's most, um, you know, giving and, and sharing and, and supportive, you know, that, that, that part of us that instinctively will reach out to help somebody who seems to be falling down the steps, right? That, that part of us, um, we all have it. We all have it in us. That we can do bad things, that we can cause harm, is, is that we can forget the truth of that nature. Right. That's such a beautiful way to, to think about it and uh and explain that i could i could just talk to you guys forever and unfortunately we're running out of time we've only got about a minute and a half but i hope that people pick up this book because it's so rich i mean could you share just real quickly like a, a practical exercise that that people could do like in a minute or so just some one of your favorites from the book Oh, yeah. I was thinking today just, I mean, you said it, the word is practical. Um, the intentional actions that we have, it's 15 minutes, but just choose one. I mean, we're talking about breath work. You don't need anything but you and, and breathing and being centered to do that or going out into nature or bringing nature into your environment if you can't leave. Um, we've created a way for people to have these experiences that aren't going to make them have to go purchase things to do these things and to have real real changes in their lives right it can be available to us all and the book is so valuable i'm really loving it and i hope our listeners pick this up this life is yours linda martella witsit and alicia witsit and thank you both so much for joining me on the show today i've really enjoyed it wonderful to connect with you again diane Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.